Hello and welcome to In the Days of Noor with me, Noor, where we talk about Islamic-related topics and social issues. So today I wanted to discuss the article, Allah Has Heard the Arguing Woman. And this is an article I've referenced so many times now, and I just think it's such a beautiful article. It's, in be- it's a beautiful exposition on so many things, on relationships, on the closeness of a servant to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on how we are able to create change in ourselves, in our relationships, in our societies, in the ways in which we can create change, the various ways we can do so. And so this this article is just a blessing by Dr. Fariha Khan. And alhamdulillah, this is someone I got to meet a couple of times, a couple of times in Jordan and once, I believe I was in California. And she's, alhamdulillah, very um, kind woman. She actually gave me my first pair of vicar beads. And uh, mashallah, she's just a very wonderfully kind woman. And she created this initiative called the Sila Initiative that focuses a lot on women's issues. And it does so from a traditional Islamic perspective. But it's also balanced in that, excuse me, in that it considers a lot of social issues that women are facing and also is highly equipped to talk about modern issues and just understanding the modern woman's way of thinking. I sometimes feel that what happens with people who learn traditionally is that they get stuck in a traditional mindset and they start to approach Muslims of today as if we were still living in prophetic times. So they don't understand the thinking of modern Muslims. They don't seem to fully grasp the issues that modern Muslims are dealing with. And so it kind of falls on deaf ears. It's very hard to listen to someone who you don't feel understands you. And so alhamdulillah, this initiative does not have that issue, the really capable people who are running it. So I highly recommend Besides their articles, which they actually don't have many articles, just a few really valuable ones, they also have some webinars. I don't think they've done one in a while, but there are so many that you can catch up on and learn from the blessed Um Um Sahal. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh yes, I almost almost forgot her um, given name for a moment. Um, she's known by Um Sahal, but Sheikha Besa Khraskani is her given name, and she is such a blessed source of knowledge. And I was blessed to learn from her when I was in Jordan. She taught tafsir, and she also had weekly classes for women on different topics. And she's such a blessed source of knowledge, such an amazing person. And to have the opportunity to learn from her through this online platform is such an opportunity that really and truly no one should miss out on. So with that being said, we're going to go into this article. I'm just going to give some small commentary, inshallah ta'ala. The article is about 11 pages, so I probably won't read the whole thing. I'll jump around, try to point to some issues I feel are important, inshallah ta'ala. So the article in the beginning, it says, wherever there is discrepancy in power, there exists the possibility of abuse. 
As Muslims, we believe this is true in every relationship between willful beings, except the relationship between God and his creation. He is just at the level of the absolute, and his justice will absolutely be realized, if not on this worldly plane, then on that of the next. I think this is such a beautiful way to begin. So just this basic premise that there will, I mean, a lot was said there, but I just want to point to the fact that there will always be a discrepancy in power. There will always be a power dynamics. And in fact, one of the things that I dislike about kind of the liberal outlook, even though I think they make valuable points about power dynamics and privilege and the fact that some people have more than others and we all have some in different areas of our lives i think that the fault they make is in believing that this can somehow be changed because whether it's that white people have more power than black people or men have more power than women or women have more power than children or children have more power than animals whatever it is There are always going to be power dynamics no matter what. You are not going to erase it from society. And so I I love that that liberal ideology gives us a way to think about the power dynamics. But I think it oversteps its bounds by believing that these things can be changed. And that doesn't mean that they have to be abusive. So, for example... A white person can come to a point where they acknowledge they have privilege based on the historical privilege they've been given by law in American society. Now, they can decide to not abuse black people. For instance, we have so many incidences of late of, and it's weird to say of late because it's a continuation of a long-standing pattern, but these people are being called out of white people who call the cops on black people for doing very normative things, just going about their lives. Black people having a barbecue, black person trying to get into their dorm, a black child selling water on the street, just normative day-to-day activities and white people calling the police on them. And because of the abusive dynamics in this country between police in general and black people in general, Every time a black person has to come into contact with a police officer, there's always a chance of abuse. And this this history is so long-standing in this country. Now, some people may say, oh, well, not all cops are bad. That's not really the point, because the point that I'm making at this moment is about power dynamics and about historical abuse. So no, not every cop is going to be abusive to black people, but as black people, we do have to be wary of cops in general because of the historical abuse and the uh, continued abuse against us as a people. Um, Just as an interesting side note, we had an, an incident a couple of days ago where it was really strange where someone was trying to get into our house. They kept like, um, the, like the way our house is, there's not a knob. It's like you press and then you push the handle. But of course the door is locked. 
And so they were trying to push and get in. And so, of course, I'm really scared. Like, first, when I hear them knocking, I think, okay, there must be some solicitors. I'm not going to open the door. So I just walk away. But then they actually try to get in. And so I get really scared. Um, I call my dad because I'm, I'm living with my parents now. Um, just to update because people may be confused. So I was married. I lived in Morocco and unfortunately our marriage didn't work out. So we recently, the divorce was finalized. So I've been back with my parents for almost a year now, even though the divorce just recently was finalized. So I'm back, I'm here with my parents. So I call my dad and you know, let him know because he had just stepped out and he was going to be back in a few minutes. He went to the store. So I let him know what was happening and he told me he was on his way back, but to call the cops. So we called the cops and they came. This person went away that was trying to get in. And, you know, he asked me all the questions, this tall white guy with all his equipment, you know, his guns and all of that. And took his information and left. Perfectly pleasant cop doing his job. And then a few minutes later, he came back and he said, we found the culprit. So it was actually one of our neighbors who happened to be drunk and they were at the wrong house. Um, Either one of our neighbors or one of our neighbor's friends. Like there was some sort of, um, it wasn't completely clear. Probably a friend, but it wasn't completely clear by the way he said it. And they were drunk and they had um opened the wrong they were trying to get into the wrong house so they didn't mean to come in so alhamdulillah it wasn't anything as serious as we thought but i just thought about the fact that even though as a black person for the most part i'm pretty wary of police in general even though i've never had in my personal life a negative experience with them in general i'm pretty wary of them at the same time I don't have a choice but to depend on them. There's not a separate black police or a Muslim police. There are just the police. And when you call them, you get whoever's coming. So as much as um, there is this animosity and this history of abuse and perpetual abuse by the the police, um, we still have to depend on them. And that's kind of the difficulty one of the many difficulties of being black in this country is this dynamic of here is this, we are living under our oppressors, but we still have to depend on them. And obviously that's why there were so many black movements saying we need to just get out and go back to Africa. Um, but now, no matter how abusive your home is, it's always difficult to leave home permanently. So the mistake I feel that liberals make sometimes is to act as if somehow a white person can get rid of their privilege. You can acknowledge it. You cannot take advantage of it. So you can be a white police officer who makes sure that they don't perpetuate racism. But you're never going to get to a point where I shouldn't say never, I should not say never, because if we actually did the work, first of all, if white people in general acknowledge the privileged position they were in because of the historical advantages they had, and then if they started to actively do things about it. So for example, there was a college not too long ago, and it kind of turned out not to be as good as it sounded, but essentially they were going to give scholarships to um, subhanAllah, I'm forgetting the word, but um, essentially people who had 
African enslaved ancestry. They were going to give scholarships to the, uh, subhanAllah, what is the word? Oh, forgetting the word, but they're going to give scholarships to people with that heritage, um, at their school. Now it turned out to not be as good as it was. It's like, you still had to apply and you still had to have the grades, but I guess maybe you got some kind of privilege or special scholarship. I'm not really sure. But those kinds of active actions to erase the damage and abuse of slavery and the advantages given to white people and the detriments passed on to black people, if we did that consistently for 100 years, 200 years, then we would see a dramatically changed society. But what we see instead are white people and the government in general who don't want to do that. Well, first of all, there's a mixed bag between white people who acknowledge their privilege and others who say, no, we just all have to work and you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps. So we're not going to really get anywhere. But even under the liberal project of acknowledging one's privilege, it's not going to work. Well, let me give you a clear example. So for example, people will say like, if you're in a privileged position, let's to move away from white people for a moment, let's say someone who has lighter skin. If you know you're in a privileged position because let's say you're light skin and you're beautiful and you're privileged over people who are not considered as beautiful by American society, you should give up that space and allow those other people to come in. Here's the problem with that. If we acknowledge that in our society, whiteness is privileged, and it's privileged in anyone. So whether that's a lighter skinned black person with straighter hair or just a white person, that whiteness is privileged, then how is it suddenly not privileged because the white person or the lighter skinned person says, okay, I'm going to give up my position and give it to a black person or darker skinned person. How does that work? If we, if the darker skinned person is not privileged, they're not going to suddenly be privileged just because the privileged person gives them that space. So, for example, if, um, gosh, I forget the guy's name, but he gave a famous, well, not famous, it hasn't been that long, but um, he gave a really acclaimed speech for the BET Awards, and this lighter-skinned actor, who you wouldn't even really know he was black just by looking at him, but I suppose he's half black, Um, but some people spoke about, you know, he's in a privileged position because he's attractive and he's lighter-skinned and kind of racially ambiguous to talk about these issues. And so people in that position should give that platform over to darker-skinned people who are not historically represented. But the problem is as soon as you do that, people stop paying attention because because you, well, it's like, subhanAllah, because you already stated what the power dynamics are, whiteness is privileged. So when whiteness is privileged, the best a white person can do or someone who is privileged by whiteness in some way can do is to speak on behalf of those who are not represented but by bringing up the ones who are not represented on stage maybe they'll get a few moments in the limelight but very soon the the issues won't be given any attention because people don't like the voice that it's coming from for example it's an uh, another clear example of the me too movement with tirana Tarana Burke, I believe her name was. This is a black woman who's, she's not 
dark skin, but darker skinned, very wide nose, unambiguously black woman, tall, bigger. Um, she created the movement, but very quickly she did not become the face of the movement. The face of the movement became people like Alyssa Milano, white, successful, wealthy actress. Now you may say, well, it's not fair for Alyssa Milano to take on that space. But when Alana Burke was in that space, no one paid attention. No one was paying attention. So even if Alyssa Milano says, which some of them do say, oh, Tarana Burke is the one who started this movement, she still is not going to get the attention, the press that they get because of the way she looks and because the way she looks isn't celebrated by our society. So the dynamics of power aren't going to change we can get the abuse doesn't have to exist, but the dynamics of power aren't going to change. Even if they shift from now white people aren't on top, black people are on top, let's say somehow we, we would work towards that dynamic. Um, the idea that we were ever going to be truly equal is just non-existent. Um, I remember listening to a podcast and I thought this was so interesting. They were basically talking about equality and saying that um, children being allowed to go to private school, that essentially private school shouldn't exist because it privilege, it privileges some people's children over others. And the host asks, well, what about if parents um, want to read their children, or what about the parents who read their children a children's story, and those who don't? Aren't those children who are read bedtime stories every day privilege over the ones who don't and she said yes but the the point that he was making is how do you prevent that you would have to literally in order to create equality you'd have to have oppression which which is the irony because you'd have to literally create a society where people's children were taken by force and then all indoctrinated with the same ideals and i would i don't think most of us want that so there is going to be there's going to be differences between people. There's going to be inequality no matter what. So in our faith, then men have a degree of power over women. Now, what does that mean? Well, with power comes responsibility. That power is embedded in their responsibility, being responsible for women. So taking care of women financially taking care of their entire um lifestyle essentially so what they're that they're able to eat that that they're fed that they're clothed that they are taken care of and that is the leadership position that men are given and women are given leadership over their children that they that the children are fed and clothed and um the literal um financing of those things are still by the man but the woman being primarily responsible for the upbringing of the children then if you go i wish i had it if i can find it then i will but this brother um very knowledgeable brother we were having i asked him a few questions and he told me um he basically gave me a really good exposition on this issue of power dynamics and essentially who has power over who and we should remember that power is responsibility 
unfortunately in our country it doesn't really work out that way that white people certainly have power over black people but they don't have responsibility for us um and even the ironic thing is that there was that poem the white man's burden which supposedly was very influential in slavery and just this idea that white people needed to go around the world and civilize um, black and non-white people but that wasn't the reality. They just uh, abused and used um, black and brown people. If they had actually taken all res- the responsibility of black and brown people as well, then it may be there may be a completely different dynamic, but that really wasn't the case. Um, and obviously, when you're talking about white and black, there's nothing inherently that would give more power over the other. It really is just a matter of what time period you're in and who happens to have more power, more weaponry, more whatever. Um, it's not inherent as it is with men and women. When you enter into the marital relationship, then men have a power and responsibility over women. And I think... That's the most important thing because when you go into talking about men have a right over women or are given more an upper hand over women and you don't immediately talk about their responsibility, then it inherently is an abusive relationship. If someone just has power over you, but they are not responsible for you, that is abuse. And it's one of the things that's so amazing to me that a lot of men don't seem to understand in our time is that they want the reverence, they want the respect from women, but they don't get that that respect is deeply tied into being responsible for her. So if you're in what is essentially an egalitarian marriage, or or should be, but um, if you're in a marriage where both parties are working and both parties are providing to for this household to um, function, she is never going to have that respect and reverence for you. So how can you claim, how can you act as though you still have a degree of power if you don't have a degree of responsibility? And, And this is the thing that is so, I feel, important to stress to men, especially that if you want that power in your household, if you want that reverence, be prepared to be responsible. But if you want a woman who works and helps you pay the bills and you run the household together, be prepared for an egalitarian marriage through and through, meaning the decisions are made together, meaning you don't have um, any real power over her because you guys are in this marriage together. You can't just have the benefit of power but not the responsibility of it. So I'm going to actually end here i think i'll revisit this article again and go into further points but it's it's really such a valuable article and i will link it below i didn't i just touched on the power dynamics the reality of power dynamics in just in the world and in human relationships but inshallah ta'ala i'll get more into women specifically and the way in which she approached Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to change her own life, her relationship with her husband, and to change this very detrimental cultural norm that existed in her society. And she, through helping herself and seeking um, 
and and being an advocate for herself, she changed this um this very detrimental uh issue for all women for all time. So may Allah subhanahu wa taala bless her and thank you so much for listening. I do want to mention that I have been doing YouTube more often, so please follow me there. Um, subscribe, like, share, and my name is Noor Al Kudus. You can also, if you look at my name, Nerdy Night, you'll find me as well. I wish I could have kept um figuring all the vlog that I do for almost all my social media, but I couldn't figure it out. Maybe I'll be able to in the future. But anyway, it's Nora Alikudus, and don't forget to follow my blog as well by the fig and the olive dot com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week, and take care.